0: I think we
1: I don't think any baseball is going to happen, if I'm being honest.
2: Um,
3: I would rather there be no baseball than a 48-game season. What the hell is the point? Yeah, if you can't
2: can't even play 81 and get halfway through a season, the fuck is the point? Come on. I mean, it just feels like exhibition games at that point that don't matter.
1: Which, like, I don't know. If they say, you know what, fuck it, we're not even going to have a World Series this year... But if guys want to just get together and play some pickup games of baseball that they're going to broadcast, sure, I'll watch 40 well, the of whole, those. The whole but, point yeah. of why they don't
3: want to, or the whole point of their saying of like why they don't want to play this 114 game season, which one, I think is because they want to just pay the players as little as possible. But two, is like they're afraid that if they play that many games, it's going to open them up to have some kind of, uh, you know, second wave of, of, coronavirus and then they won't have a postseason so that their idea is that playing you know around 50 games will preserve the postseason but you're going to end up having like the tigers in the playoffs just because they get (laughs) off to some weird
2: marlins 2020 baby yeah
3: exactly like last year the mariners got off to some weird hot start and then they ended up being one of the worst teams and that happens all the time so i mean 48 games is not enough in baseball to decide who is actually good enough to make the postseason
1: yeah, I mean, I I fully agree with you, but just for the sake of it, why not have a playoffs that's Marlins and Tigers and Mariners, and then when one of those teams wins the World Series, we'll just all kind of know, and we'll all place that <laughs> mental asterisk on it that, well, you know, it was only forty games, and they got pretty lucky, and we'll just let it happen. I, I think don't know. if they're only going <laughs> to play
2: forty games, they should just have it be the playoffs from the start and have a big like, ncaa bracket tournament style that would actually be like kind of a cool just, like 40 game playoff yeah series? like well you basically or, or, you or, seed or, everybody based on last year yeah and then you know if the fucking astros lose to the marlins in a three game <laughs> you know first round playoff then fuck you astros you're so done. every season, every series people's be, brackets.
3: Every series would be three games. How do you decide? Like, how long are the series? Um, series? Is? Series? Series?
1: I feel like it would be like the first round, for example, is maybe like three. And then the next round, I guess, I don't know how all the math would break, but you'd go from 30 teams, right, down to 15. So someone would have to team. get a bye. The first, so like, the top two teams a would a have to get a bye. Yeah. So the like, Astros
3: and the, and the, nationals would get get buys
1: yeah sure yeah um but then if it was like three games in the first round five games in the second round you know something like that maybe i don't know it could be you just break it down or or it's like three five five
2: seven or something like that you just yeah and then a nine game series (laughs) at the end just
1: like Uh, the old days
3: or you could have every game every series every round is just a one game elimination game and that would be wild. That lends itself perfectly to what we're going to be talking about today, the very first ever wildcard game.
1: <laughs> yes, it does. Well, welcome to One Game at a Time, everybody. This is the podcast where we tell the story of a single game from baseball's history. Uh, as always, I'm Warner, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Sam and Charlie. Hello, guys. Hello. 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 You guys caught us just talking about uh, what could happen with baseball this year, Um
3: But let's talk about what did happen with baseball.
1: Yeah, that's why we're here. That is why we're here. It was October 5th, 2012, at 1 o'clock Eastern time, and the St. Louis Cardinals were preparing to take on the Atlanta Braves in Major League Baseball's very first wild card game. Both teams had finished second in their respective divisions, giving them one last chance to play deep into October with a single-game winner-take-all showdown. The new playoff format had been announced following the 2011 season, and the MLB was hoping it would kick off the postseason with a bit of excitement and drama while putting more importance on the division races throughout the season.
2: That's an interesting... Does it put more importance on the division races?
3: I or think it definitely it does, does because... Yeah, I think so. Now, because the, the winner of the division series and the wildcard team in the, in the past were both right into the DS, the divisional series. Now, you got to win this... If you don't win the, your division you got to win this one-game playoff or you're out of there, you know?
2: But it does give another team, like, a a different race to focus on. That's my thinking on it, is...
3: The thinking would be that it gives a team that's already out of the division race something to still play for.
2: Right, so for them, for some teams, it's not putting more emphasis on the division race because they're already out of that.
1: Yeah, but I don't think teams know that right away in the you know, you don't know that until you know set, like later in the season is creeping along and yeah. then you have to kind of adjust your mindset. But I think like throughout the bulk of the season, the divisional race is yeah, very important so you don't get stuck in a one game playoff. Right. But then, you know, I just, when by I think the end of, of, a of the race
2: summer, you're like, at the end of the season, I don't hear them talked about as often in that way. I, you hear about the division race and then the wild card race.
3: Well, if it's sure. September, if it's September and you're 5 games out of first place in your division and it's 2011 and you're that you are in that wild card spot maybe by 5 games of your own, then all you're thinking about is all right, I'm I'm fine. I'll just kind of if we win the division great, but like really let's just kind of stay where we are. If it's not that big of a hit. Whereas in 2012, now it's okay, I'm still going to do anything I can to get Those five games up and get to that division lead because I don't want to be stuck in this wild card game. I know I'm probably going to make the wild card game because I've got five games on second place in the wild card, but I don't want to be here. I want to get those five games up, win the division, not have to worry about this. No, I'm already in the in the NL or ALDS. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and you get like a you know you get you get to play a proper series. You know you get to use all your pitchers. It just yeah, I think it it makes people. Want to fight harder to make sure they get that confirmed start.
3: I'm a fan proposes. of the two wild card teams. What about four
2: wild card teams?
3: No, that I think is too Wait, nice. wait.
2: What about six wild card Ooh.
3: teams? Well, now maybe, because mm-hmm. now it's like addition, subtraction by addition. <laughs> uh, now I'm into it.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Well, one game at a time calls for six wild card teams. <laughs> Does one wild card team get a buy then on each? I don't know. Forget it. Who cares? <laughs> Well, the 2011 World Series winning Cardinals were hoping to become the first National League team to win back-to-back titles since the Big Red Machine in 1975 and 76, but would have to do so without a number of key pieces from the 2011 team, including three-time MVP Albert Pujols, pitchers Edwin Jackson and Octavio Dotel, manager Tony La Russa, and Lance Berkman and Rafael Fercal, who were both injured.
3: Lance Berkman, known as Fat Elvis.
1: Yeah, they're missing a lot of, well, I mean, two guys injured, you know, two guys that are kind of top of the order type guys for them. Obviously, you don't have Albert anymore. Um, but they made it back to the wild card. That's pretty good still.
3: Yeah, there's still they're still have a ton of talent on this team, whether you're talking about Yanni Molina, Matt Holiday, I mean, David Freese, there's a ton of talent here. But obviously, Albert Pujols was probably the best player in baseball at that time. So
1: and, I mean, we just missed another Tony La Russa game. So close.
3: <laughs> yeah. Tony
1: well, we could have
2: called it one Tony La Russa game at a time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, the Cardinals would also have to beat the Braves on their home turf, Turner Field in Atlanta. With the Braves going 94 and 68 on the season versus the Cardinals 88 and 74, Atlanta got home field advantage and the privilege to play in front of 52,000 diehard fans. I mean,
3: going back to World War, you win 94 games, you're up six games on the second place in wild card, but now it's just one game. You can win 94 games and then just bam, lose one game and you're done. Well, they yeah, should have
2: won
1: more games. It's intense. They should have won more games. <laughs> they should have won more games. Well, the Braves, meanwhile, were looking to change their fortunes from last year. In 2011, they'd seen a collapse of epic proportions as they'd gone 9-18 and 18 in September, falling just out of the wildcard spot and dashing all hopes for the playoffs. So, yeah, in 2011, I mean, they could have been in a wildcard. If they'd had a wildcard playoff, This they could have been in this position. But there was no wildcard playoff, and they were just out of the postseason. So, you know pretty exciting now they've got a shot
2: yeah now they've they didn't have an epic collapse at the end i mean they finished with 94 wins like we said Mm -hmm. but still just in the wild card
3: last year they were hoping there was a second wild card and then this year they're probably pissed off there was a second wild card right yeah that's true (laughs) exactly (laughs)
1: yeah yeah well and last year i'm pretty sure it was the cardinals like so it could have been braves and cardinals if they'd had a playoff in 2011 could have been both these teams again so they're like damn the cardinals got through we got kicked out and they're like oh 2012 though don't worry we'll make it through and the cardinals won't make it but now they've got two teams in the playoff and the braves are like what the heck yeah, the braves are like on, guys. thinking
2: this is rigged the cardinals wild card is a or the second wild card is a cardinals conspiracy <laughs> they got that devil magic <laughs> In
1: 2012, though, the Braves had been the best defensive team in the league, and they hoped to bring that prowess on the field into the postseason. It was also the last season for their all-star MVP third baseman, Chipper Jones, who had announced his retirement prior to the season.
2: Do you guys like when players announce their retirement before the season?
3: I do. I think that's cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. That actually gives... I always love that... Like. I always love a guy who's like, okay, this is my last season. And then they either do something spectacular in their last game, a Kobe Bryant, or they win a championship to go out on, on top. Like, that's awesome, too. But if you, I hate when guys like have that big moment and then they come on, and they're like, well, I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet. And then a month <laughs> later, they retire. It's like, you just ruined your own big moment, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I get it. It's not like guys automatically know if they're going to retire, if their bodies are going to be able to handle handle another season. But I always think it's fun, especially when you're a big name like Chipper Jones. People can kind of, you know, give you the respect that you've earned, I think, throughout your career. You know, like Derek Jeter's last and, you know, like, yeah. whether, like people are, you Yeah, like, it's fun to honor and kind of give those people, you know, moments to, like, shine a little bit. And I always think that's fun the commo- the camaraderie of you know yeah. celebrating them,
2: yeah, I like it too, because a lot of times guys once they get to that retirement point of their sports career, there's rumors almost every season you know a guy's forty years old, oh, is this gonna be the last year or not? Mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of times guys have kind of a downturn in their performance, but then when they announce their retirement, everybody can rally around and really appreciate their career as a whole, knowing that this is the end of it. Yeah, no one cares if you're shit in your last
1: season if you've told everyone it's your last season right. and you're just like having some fun playing ball.
2: People are okay with it. Yeah, that. and then they <laughs> just get to have the farewell tour and every stadium they go, it's they have a little you know, all the players say goodbye, you know, that they've played with or played against so all those those years, I think it's a good I like when guys yeah. do that.
1: Yeah. Well, for both teams, the 2012 wildcard game was the last chance to keep championship hopes alive and bring a ring back to their cities. Starting for the Cardinals was Kyle Loesch. In 2012, Loesch was 16-3 with a 2.86 ERA and had gone 8-2 and on the road. The Braves were sending Chris Medlin to the mound. Medlin had gone 10-1 and with a 1.57 ERA in 2012, and the Braves had won 23 consecutive games in which he'd started.
3: These are two pitchers who had terrific seasons that would basically never be important in the sport of baseball again
2: these those pitching lines are crazy
3: chris medlin's line is ridiculous
2: 1.57 and they'd won 23 consecutive games
3: they were there was announcers talking about like because medlin's a brave they were like oh he reminds us a lot of like you know another guy greg maddox and i was like what are you talking how are you comparing this guy, Chris <laughs> Medlin, to one of the greatest pitchers of all time? And then I looked at the stat line and I was like, okay, yeah, that's that I guess that makes sense. That's Mad- Maddox esque.
2: Watching him pitch in this game, we'll get into it, but I could see how they made the comp if he was pitching, you know, the the like style of pitching But similar. he
3: didn't wear glasses. That's true. How can you <laughs> compare someone to Greg Maddox if they don't wear glasses on the mound? He
2: should have gotten those um great point. those fake, you know, non prescription. <laughs> Classes, just <laughs> well the first batter of the afternoon was the cardinals center
1: fielder john jay jay had batted 305 in the regular season and the first pitch he saw was a strike the ball was taken out of play by league officials to have it sent to cooperstown forever immortalizing the very first pitch and wild card play i think it's fun they do this yeah that's cool um, we kind of talked about it like what happens if you just Hit a home run though, and the fans then they got to haggle with the fans or like,
3: uh, I don't know. Well, like you're so that's not what you said in the notes. What you said in the notes was, What if it hit a fan and gravely injured them? and then they had to take I mean, it out of their yeah, but that dead was like hands. a joke
1: kind of just for us that I wasn't going to put on the podcast because that's like really shitty to put on the podcast. So, well, you
2: shouldn't have <laughs> said would it would be interesting to see the ball in Cooperstown, and it was it had a little blood stain on it. <laughs> People would be. <laughs> look, <laughs> people would go look at it and think, "Is that blood? Why is
1: there is a that, blood that a piece stain? of
3: someone's eyeball?"
1: <laughs> yeah, um, be interesting. Cooperstown is like, yeah, we're just gonna kind of keep this one in the back, <laughs> not shine the light on it, you know.
2: No, they'd have it in a big display case. They'd have a video board replaying the hit or the foul ball, and, that- and then hit. Well, anyways, that didn't happen. Uh, It was just a
1: strike, and they took it out. So uh, Medlin followed it up up with two more strikes to set Jay down looking for the first out. Then it was Carlos Beltran, who had hit 32 home runs and knocked in 97 during the year, but he too would go down on strikes for the second out. Then it was the left fielder Matt Holliday, who took a pitch off the elbow to reach first, but Alan Craig ended the inning with a ground out to short. The leadoff man for the Braves was Michael Bourne, who had stolen 42 bases in 2012 after leading the league in steals three years straight, but Loesch struck him out on five pitches. Following him was Martin Prado, who grounded out to first for the second out, and then it was the right fielder, Jason Hayward, who would also strike out swinging to end the first.
3: With well, Michael Bourne, him in the game, I feel like Michael Bourne is one of the last guys I can remember who like, was just known as like, a, an elite base stealer. Like, I feel like we just don't have that at all anymore.
2: Byron Buxton? I guess he's probably more known defensively, but anyway.
3: If we're talking about, like, oh, Byron Buxton uh-huh. is, like, the face of base stealing in today's baseball, like, he has 60 career bags. That's, like, less than Michael Bourne would get in, like, a lot of seasons. It's just a different game is all I'm saying. I lament the, the death of the stolen base.
1: Well, the Cardinals catcher Yadier Molina led off the top of the second. He'd hit 22 home runs and 76 RBIs in 2012, both career highs. And on the third pitch, he took one deep like to right.
0: Shut down cornerback in the NFL. There's that tough Sunfield. Hayward fighting for it. That ball's deep. And Hayward reaches up. And he's got it. Jason Hayward makes a great catch. Oh, what a play by Hayward, the toughest Sunfielder.
1: Hayward's high jump and snow cone catch while fighting the Sun robbed Molina of a solo shot to kick off the score this is
3: one of the best catches I've ever seen and yeah oh, it's so, this good. Is so good this is why Jason Hayward a few years later got just an insane contract from the Cubs because he could do stuff like this
2: you gotta love a snow cone catch too it, yeah.
3: it was that jumping was jumping awesome. up. I mean oh yeah it was a great catch Well, the
1: next batter was the 2011 World Series MVP and hometown hero, David Freeze. Freeze had been raised in Wildwood, Missouri, just outside St. Louis, and had grown up dreaming of playing for his local team, never imagining he would lead them to a championship.
3: And hit a walk-off home run in Game 6 of last year's World Series. Yeah. Well, 2011's World Series. Sure. Not last year's World Series. (laughs) We know what you mean. (laughs)
1: Well now, in 2012, he was looking to do it again, but in his first at bat, Medlin got the better of him, striking him out. Then, Daniel Descalso grounded out to first for the third out. Leading off for the Braves in the bottom of the second was Chipper Jones. In his 19-year career with the Braves, Jones had hit 468 home runs with a career batting average of .303, hitting over 300 from both sides of the plate. He was an 8-time All-Star and had been named the 1999 National League MVP.
3: Yeah, one of the best switch hitters of all time, Chipper Jones.
1: Yeah, it's really impressive batting 300 from both sides of the plate. That's awesome. Jones received a warm welcome from the Braves faithful but struck out swinging on 6 pitches. So, maybe not the start to this game, but you know,
3: it happens. What are you going to do? He ends up having a rough game in this in this one and you could tell that he's to me he just wasn't like fully right and and they even said on the broadcast that he admitted to being like super nervous that day and he was vocally not a fan of this one game playoff and i think it just showed like he looked super nervous and it it led to him not playing his best game and i'm with chipper i don't really like the idea of a one game playoff it's exciting but that's not how the sport works
1: yeah i mean i don't i don't blame him it's a lot of pressure um a lot of pressure for I this one I think they should all be game.
2: nine game playoff series <laughs> nine game wild card, then 13 or i guess you go 9 11 and then 13 for the ALCS and then you go 15 for the World Series no you got to go big for the World oh, Series yeah,
1: go it's got to be like at least 28 oh. for the World Series Well, it's got to be yeah. an an odd number. number. <laughs> 29 no it's 28 and if it if they somehow <laughs> both happen to win 14 games then you
3: have another series you have a full another you a, series. then you
1: have a 37 game world series playoff but the third place team gets another shot to like steal kind of <laughs> like a family feud situation And that's a something. one game I don't know. That,
2: but that one's just the one game yeah for the third place but team three to
3: teams,
1: steal.
2: but three teams play at the same time
1: well no yeah. so what and would have to happen is that during that before. first
3: well yeah. during that initial 28 game series the two uh cs losers the ALCS and the NLCS losers are having their own, you know, 25 game series uh-huh. to see who yeah. gets to play in to the World Series.
1: Exactly. And again, that only happens if both teams win 14 games each in the World Series. Right. But then, yeah, then you do a three way right. game. So that,
3: that's see. that It'd 25 cool. game series might be for naught because it might not be. Exactly. M- Rob Manfred, yeah. people are mad at you. The whole Astros thing was bad luck. Right now, you guys look pretty greedy, trying to take all the money from the players and not have a season. This could save you guys. Yeah,
1: we've you, got you, good ideas on this
2: podcast. Yeah, I mean,
3: we could Rob
1: save Manfred, baseball. if you're listening, which he is, right? I know he is.
3: I, I checked the anchor uh, demographics, and he's, he's in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, following Jones was the 22-year-old first baseman, Freddie Freeman, who also went down on strikes. Then it was Dan Ugla, who drew a seven-pitch walk, and was followed by the catcher David Ross. Ross, the Braves' backup catcher, had gotten the start over Brian McCann as manager Freddie Gonzalez wanted the better defender behind the plate. But on the fourth pitch of the at bat, Ross's offensive ability showed up.
0: Yeah, that ball's hit high and deep left center field. That's got a chance.
3: freaking hit a bomb here i had no idea david ross had this kind of power
2: i like the shot of brian mccann afterwards too thinking <laughs> nice he's like yeah you can do it too david
1: the ross broadcaster to said
3: they were best friends oh that's
1: that's they, cool they they kept cutting to mccann i felt like every time ross was up so that's pretty cool that yeah he's watching his buddy he's like hey man have, have a good game out there and then he smashes a home run it's pretty sweet
3: Cubs manager david ross you excited for that If it ever happens.
1: (laughs) If it ever happens, yeah. For all we know, he's going to get fired or something before the season starts, and he'll never actually be the manager. Well, it was Cardinals 0, Braves 2. The rookie shortstop, Andrelton Simmons, followed Ross and singled to center on the second pitch. But the inning was ended when Chris Medlin laid down a bunt that Molina threw to first for the third out. The shortstop, Pete Cosma, let off the third for the Cardinals and struck out on six pitches. Then it was the pitcher Loesch who grounded out to short And finally, Medlin wrapped up another quick inning as he got John Jay to pop it up to third for the final out. Bourne led off again for the Braves and singled to center, but he couldn't get any farther as the remaining Braves would go down in order, with Prado striking out, Hayward flying out to left, and Chipper Jones grounding out to the second baseman. Carlos Beltran led off the fourth and poked a single into right for his first hit of the day. Matt Holliday was next, and on the fifth pitch, he hit a shot to Chipper at
0: third. (laughs) A hot one, backhanded by Chipper Jones, and a high throw in the right field. Beltran on his way to third. Instead of a double play chance, perhaps, the Cardinals in business now as Chipper Jones throws it away. Again, this is just
3: not a play we're used to seeing from Chipper Jones.
2: Yeah, this was definitely, no, was like you were saying earlier, Sam, about him being nervous or something. This is that kind of play.
3: I mean, he's out there, and it looks like he knows, like, okay, like, if I don't win this game, this is my last game. And he's, like, playing like it, and it's surprising to see a guy who's as legendary as Chipper Jones kind of letting the moment get to him.
2: Yep, he just air-mailed it, and it wasn't even close. He didn't have to rush it either.
1: No, he didn't. Chipper's air put runners on the corners with no out. Alan Craig was next and went down and got a low-breaking ball from Medlin.
0: And that one's hit high and deep to left field. Back is Prado, and he can't get it. A one hopper off the wall. Beltron will score. Holiday going to be held around third, and Alan Craig carries it over to the postseason. Craig's
1: double made it Cardinals one, Braves two. But the inning wasn't over yet. With two runners in scoring position, Yadier Molina was next, and he hit a grounder to second for the out. But Holiday scored, tying it up at two to two as Craig advanced to third.
2: And just like that, I mean, I can't imagine what was going through Chipper Jones' head right there, you know?
3: Yeah, he's thinking, I, I boofed it, man. I really boofed it.
2: They kept cutting back to shots of him, and you can see he's trying really hard to not show any emotion at all. But you can tell he's pissed at himself.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's eating him up. Well, David Freeze was next and hit a high fly ball to center for an easy out, but Craig t- tagged up and scored. The Cardinals had taken the lead 3-2, to two, but Medlid finally got out of it when Daniel Descalso lined
2: out to right for the third out.
3: But the damage was done.
2: Yes, it was. To both the score and Chipper Jones' psyche.
1: <laughs> Freddie Freeman led off the Braves' fourth with a single to right. Then Dan Ugla hit a slow bouncing ball to freeze at third, but he managed to make the play for the first out as Freeman advanced to second. Then it was David Ross again, and he put down a bunt on the first pitch that went to freeze again, but he wasn't quick enough this time as Ross was able to beat the throw for an infield hit, and Freeman made it to third. Ross is having a good day.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he is having a good day. It's always interesting when a guy goes yard in his last at-bat, and then bunts in the next at-bat.
0: It's
2: (laughs) even more interesting that the guy doing that is the catcher. The backup catcher. The <laughs> backup catcher, and then he gets the infield single. I mean... Yeah. He's all over the place. He's just... They're keeping
1: him on their toes. David Russ,
2: what can't he do?
1: <laughs> well, now with Braves runners on the corners, Andrelton Simmons was next, and he also bunted on the first pitch. Loesch fielded it and went to first. And
0: now Andrelton Simmons hitting eighth of this Braves batting order. There's a bunt. And Freeman... Won't go, and it hits Simmons. Down the line it goes. Freeman scores. Wait a minute. Hold everything. They're going to call an interference here.
3: Yeah, this play is like, I mean, obviously it foreshadows like what's going to come later, but Mm
1: -hmm.
3: this was weird. I mean, this is not something you usually see, the guy getting called interference running down to first base.
2: Yeah. The whole sequence (laughs) was like a little league play.
3: Yeah.
1: Willis Freeman and Ross crossed the plate for what would have made it Cardinals three, Braves four, home plate umpire Jeff, Ke- Jeff Kellogg called interference on Simmons, meaning he was out. As booze rained down from the stands, the replay sh- showed Simmons coming off his line and running on the grass as he went for first.
3: I mean, so this is like the right call. You're not supposed to run yeah. in there. You're supposed to be in foul territory. That's why they have like the two lines on the first base side if you're if you ever watch a baseball, like, why is there that extra line? That's why. Uh but I wonder how many guys like do run on the infield that like it there's not a play so it doesn't get called, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um I don't know. I mean also it's gotta be a bummer for Simmons. He just the ball Hit him in the helmet. (laughs) Yeah, not
3: only do you get hit in the head, but you're also out.
2: It wouldn't have hit him (laughs) in the helmet if he would have stayed in the base path, though. So no,
1: I know, I know. I'm just saying that, like, all in all, it's just a rough at bat. He's like, oh, laid down a bunt, I beat it out. Oh man, ball hit me in the helmet, but you like, you know what? We're okay. And then they call him out. He's like, God damn it, I got hit in the helmet for nothing. (laughs) I really don't
2: understand this bunt call either, but but what? Whatever. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> Things are just getting out of hand. With yeah. These bunts.
1: Well, once it was all said and done, the runners stayed where they were, and the scoreboard short showed two outs for the next batter, Chris Medlin, but he struck out swinging for the third out.
3: Yeah, no pitcher is going to come up to bat after all of that just took place and do anything but strike out.
1: Well, yeah, and again, why didn't like, why would just you bunt? have him bunt? Why would you have him bunt with the batter or with the pitcher behind him? Like that doesn't make any sense.
2: Well, why didn't they just have the pitcher bunt? Just three bunts in a row. <laughs> say yeah, fuck at that it. Point, <laughs> fuck it. We fucked this up, so whoops.
1: No,
3: no, that was our plan the whole time. We're just going to bunt everything. <laughs> you should know better, Freddie Gonzalez. This was just a kind of a bad sequence for you.
2: Well, the top
1: of the 5th, saw Pete Cosma leading off and he grounded out to Medlin on the fourth pitch. Then it was Kyle Loesch who flied out to right, then John Jay who grounded out to second. Michael Bourne led off the bottom of the fifth and grounded out on a line drive. That Loesch deflected off his glove and recovered to make the play on. Following him was Martine Prado who flied out to right, then Jason Hayward who flied out to left for the third out.
2: Well, things have calmed down a bit.
1: Yeah, we're just, you know, some flyouts, Pretty normal. <laughs> Chris Medlin stayed in for the sixth and, after getting Carlos Beltran to fly out, faced Matt Holliday, throwing him an inside fastball on the
0: fourth. And that one's ripped deep left field, and there it goes! Matt Holliday unloads
1: on one! Holliday's blast made it Cardinals 4, Braves 2. Following him was Alan Craig, who grounded out to short, then Yadier Molina, who grounded out to third to end the top of the sixth. Chipper Jones led off for the Braves but he popped it up to second for the first out.
3: The rough night continues for a chipper.
1: Keeps on going. Freddie Freeman followed him and golfed a line drive to center for a base hit, bringing the tying run to the plate in the form of Dan Ugla. But he hit a fly ball to left that Holiday caught on the warning track for the second out. With David Ross up next, Cardinals manager Mike Matheny decided to bring in a new pitcher Ross hadn't homered off, ending Kyle Loesch's day. He'd thrown 81 pitches through five and two-thirds innings, allowing six hits and two earned runs while striking out six. The new pitcher was Lance Lynn, who had lost his starting rotation spot after struggling in the last few months of the season and now worked out of the bullpen. But he made quick work of Ross, getting him to sky one to right for the final out of the inning as the Braves stranded another runner.
3: Having a guy like Lance Lynn being able to come out of the pen in a situation like this is a really big, like, positive for your team like lance lynn is a good pitcher and like you said he's like a starter quality guy
2: yeah he's seems like the definition of the feast or famine pitcher when he's good he's amazing and when he's bad he gets shelled
3: i also wonder if i mean this is the first wild card game that baseball's ever seen the first like one game elimination playoff i wonder if there was like the how much these coaches were like i don't know how to use my pitchers. like are our starters available like is are our other stars available or are we still trying to save them for the lds we don't want to get tired like i wonder how much of that went into like pitching changes decisions
2: yeah i'm sure they did a bunch of prep and i know analytics weren't as big in 2012 as they are now but they were still pretty important so i'm sure they did a bunch of prep on numbers and Probably came to the conclusion that uh, they should win this game. <laughs> Try <Tried> to. <laughs> okay, if there's any front office folks listening on I'm any I'm telling you, team, it's hard-hitting analysis. Give Charlie a job. That's, that's, wow, that's, that's, that's what I bring.
1: That's impressive, yeah. Well, anyways, David Freeze let off the let off in the seventh and reached on an error from the second baseman, Ogla, after he couldn't field the ball cleanly and threw it away.
2: This is was like... Freeze. Oh, yeah. Weren't the Braves the best Fielding team? They they were. They were the best defensive team. The fuck, Braves?
3: What are you guys doing? <laughs> the moment got to them, man.
1: Well, with Freeze on second, following the air, the Cardinals sent in a pinch runner, Adron Chambers, to replace him. Daniel Descalso was next and got a bunt down, advancing Chambers to third. With the runner at third and one out, the Braves went to their bullpen, replacing Chris Medlin with Chad Durbin. Medlin had thrown 92 pitches through six and a third innings allowing three hits four runs two of which were unearned and striking out four as it stood he was on the hook for the loss the first batter for Durbin was Pete Cosma who hit a sharp grounder to Simmons at
0: short pitch and a bouncing ball backhanded by Simmons bottles coming to the plate throws it away Cosma on his way to second
1: Man, this is a rough one for Simmons. <laughs>
3: well, now, I mean, now Angelton Simmons is making an error. Angelton Simmons is going to go down as one of the best fielding shortstops of the modern game. Like, yeah. he's probably the best defender in today's game.
2: He's definitely one of them. And yeah. shortstop, he's elite. But rookie Simmons fucked up here. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, and then on. I mean, it's hard to kind of make this very clear on the podcast, but you see it in the game. He throws this ball home so hard. And I know he's also known for having a cannon, but I just being the catcher, when you got this runner barreling down on you and then Simmons bobbles it and you know, he's trying to make the play and fires the ball home at hundred miles an hour. Oh my God. That's just baseball seems pretty scary. Sometimes I'm just going to say if that. you're a catcher.
3: <laughs> yeah. Catcher seems like really scary now less so because yeah. there's no collisions, but still.
1: Yeah. I mean, knuckle balls. Like that alone <laughs> is terrifying to me. Um, not many
2: people throw those anymore. So
1: Well, that but then I've also seen videos of like when catchers and pitchers get their signs crossed. So they're oh, expecting yeah, a fastball. They're expecting a curveball and it's a fucking hundred mile an hour fastball at their heads. I'd rather oh, that's scary.
3: I'd rather try to track down a knuckleball that's going sixty miles sure. an hour than yeah. An overall, this Chapman 104-mile-an-hour fastball right in my like inner thigh.
1: That you thought was going to be a slider, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, it doesn't break, and you have a millisecond to move your glove. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, anyways, following the third Braves error Braves of the night, it was Cardinals 5, Braves 2, while another unearned run was attributed to Medlin. With Cosmon second, the Braves made another call to the bullpen, this time for Johnny Venters.
2: I don't know why, but these uh all these pitchers' names like Johnny Venters, Durbin, Chad Durbin, they sound like bowlers to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say they all sound like guys that are in
1: um like rock bands, I feel like. Yeah, Johnny Venters is definitely a rock
3: star name.
2: Yeah. Chad Durbin <laughs> sounds like a country singer maybe. Oh yeah, I could see that too. Chris Medlin kinda sounds like a country singer too.
3: Actually if yeah, you told me if you told me that like the the members of NXS were named like <laughs> uh Chad Durbin and Johnny Venters, I would probably be like, Yeah, sure, that sounds right.
1: <laughs> For some when I hear Johnny Venters, dude, just the name Johnny, I think of like a guy with like the big slick back pompadour, <laughs> and he's like, Hey, I'm Johnny Vent Johnny so Venters. Like,
3: oh. Hey Johnny. You want to listen to my sweet guitar licks?
1: <laughs> and he smacks the jukebox that hole. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> well, Venter's faced off against the rookie Matt Carpenter, who was pinch hitting for Lance Lynn. In 31 pinch hitting appearances, Carpenter had collected 11 RBIs, which was the most for a rookie since Joe Frazier had knocked in 15 in 1954. And on the third pitch, he hit a dribbler to the first base side.
0: Slow roller. This will stay fair and going to be trouble. Venter's didn't get the tag on him. Save. Cosmo scores. Keith Cosma flying around the bags, never slowed down. And he scores the six Cardinal run. Cosma
1: had scored from second on an infield single that saw both Freeman and Venters trying to field the ball, with Venters scooping it up but missing the tag on Carpenter. It was Cardinals six, Braves two. It's not a very rock and roll play from Venters here.
2: No. No, it wasn't. <laughs> nope. And again, it's... Things are starting to get out of hand after these Braves airs. Yeah. I mean, this like
1: this particular play, you know they he gets a base hit for it. Um, yeah. Carpenter gets easily a base hit. Easily could have been an like, error. It easily could have been an error. It was just such a boneheaded play here. Um, yeah, there's just, they're falling apart on the field. Well, with a runner on and one out, John Jay was next, but he quickly grounded into a double play that ended the Cardinals' burgeoning rally. The bottom of the 7th saw Matt Carpenter stay in the game at 3rd, with Edwin Mujica coming in to pitch. Um, After being traded to St. Louis at the deadline, Mujica had become the Cardinals' go-to 7th inning guy, pitching in 29 games with a 1.03 ERA and 21 strikeouts. He started off against Andrelton Simmons, getting him to pop it up to short for the first out. Then it was Jose constanza pinch-hitting for Venters, and he lined a stand-up triple to right center field.
3: Do you think Jose constanza is related to George constanza?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say no, because oh. their names are spelt differently. Well, but... I think
2: that's one of those, like, stage name things. <laughs> oh, I see. You know, he doesn't want to get for, called out.
1: For Jose or for George? Because George is a
3: fictional character,
1: <laughs> and Jose is a real person. So are you saying Jose Constanza added the N or George Constanza, the fictional character dropped the N? Yes. Uh,
3: <laughs> well, either way, Constanza's fast as hell.
1: He's fast. Yeah. Stand up triple to like a shot to the gap. I mean, that's a double for most guys. And yeah, I mean, for him, stand up triple, nothing to worry about. <laughs>
3: And that's, that's a, a double for most guys, and Albert Pujols would have been thrown out at first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, you're dragging him, even though he's not even in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, the lineup turned over for Michael Bourne, and on the fifth pitch of the at-bat, he drove in Constanza when he grounded out to second. It was Cardinals 6, Braves 3. Then it was Martin Prado, and he singled to left. With a runner on, and the lefty Jason Hayward up next, the Cardinals went to their loogie, Mark Zbchensky.
3: Their loogie.
2: Damn, this, this air is the end of the loogie. Yeah, pretty much. The, uh, what is the loogie, Charlie? <laughs> well, does, does loogie stand for something? I don't know.
3: Is yeah, it supposed does. To left, left-handed uh, one-out guy. You bring him in just to face a lefty, get him out, and then I
2: mean, go. I knew what it was for. I just didn't know it was actually an acronym. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, it's kind of one of those, like, rough acronyms. I always thought it was just, like, a
2: loogie, you know? Like, he's a lefty loogie, you know? Sure. (laughs) I never really Uh, thought too hard about it. Guy who comes in just (laughs) just gets the lefties out.
1: Yeah. Well, Jason Hayward was swinging early and hit a blooper double that dropped into No Man's Land and left, advancing Prado to third.
3: So if you're a loogie and you don't get that one guy out, then what (laughs) are you now?
1: Exactly. That's like you're a crisis a of pitcher. of identity. <laughs> this was my whole life <laughs> to get this one out.
2: Oh, gave up a bloop double. Okay, you're That's
3: like classic, now you're like a uh,
2: you had one job.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're like a
2: well a, a
3: left handed no out guy.
1: Ooh. <laughs> well, with two runners on, the Braves' tying run at the plate was Chipper Jones. See, then you've got a switch hitter up, so it completely like doesn't matter at all that you're a loogie, because then it's a switch hitter. So he's like, oh, I'll just go to the other side of the plate. Just completely, yeah. But just as the crowd was getting on their feet, Jones hit the first pitch he saw right to second base for the final out of the
2: inning. Well, he got his out then. It wasn't against the lefty, but...
1: Everyone got excited. It's like, here we go, Chipper Jones, gonna drive in some runs, maybe tie the game, and uh, nope, nope. <laughs> Well, the Braves sent out Erica Flaherty in the top of the eighth, who made quick work of Carlos Beltran, getting him to ground out to third. Matt Holliday and Alan Craig hit back-to-back singles, but then Yadier Molina grounded into an inning-ending double play. Um, so this is a fun play. Um, first of all, Ugla almost commits he almost has another error here. He overthrows it, Freeman has to jump up and catch it, and the double play is only saved when Freeman's tag essentially he punches, punches Yachty in the face. Yachty yeah. in the face.
2: <laughs> Ouch.
1: It's gotta suck if you're Yachty. Just like, what the what the fuck, man? You fucking punched me in the face. Yeah, he got like, blindsided oh, not... by
2: it too, you know, because it was coming from above him. Yeah.
3: He's like, Oh, all right, all right. Oh man, it's gonna be close to... What the fuck? Punched in the face. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Freeman Freeman makes a nice play. Freeman plays a nice first base something. He's yeah, he's
1: made a player. couple of great scoops um in this game. Uh, yeah, a great save here from Ugla's throw. Ugla just can't make this throw. What is he doing?
3: Yeah, I don't know. He was hurt a lot. This is late in his career. He is. I think he had
1: too much chew in his. Uh, He's got tons of lip as well.
3: Chew in his lip. He is. I yoked thought we learned beyond...
2: from Rod Carew that the chew is the source of power.
3: Yeah, but Rod Carew batting, is a skinny guy. Maybe. Dan Ugla uh. looks like uh, you know he could be in Justice League. He's too big.
2: Dan Ugla's power was from the steroids. He was trying to double up on the power with the chew as well, but they actually and then it cancel each other out. out. Dan exactly. Uggla
3: was a vocal opponent of steroids, so a lot of times those guys who are most vocally opposed to it. Maybe they were doing it.
2: Yeah, it seems like a smokescreen. <laughs> it feels like that's pretty common.
3: It's, it feels like pretty reckless that we're just out on, on here saying Dan Uggla was doing steroids. I, I,
2: I think it's clear we're joking, but okay. We can make a statement saying we don't think Dan Ugla actually did steroids, but we also don't know that he didn't.
3: That's I'm just point, saying so. there, there's no evidence either way.
2: He just looks huge. He looks jacked. Yeah, he's so a big, He's a jacked fellow. We're joking on the the jackedness.
3: I would say Dan Ugla, come on the pod, defend yourself, but I'd be afraid that he would then find out where I lived and be <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's friends with Derek Jeter, Sam. So be
0: careful.
3: <laughs> hey, you guys talk about my friend Dan oh, Uggla.
1: Oh god, no. Nope. All right, so we're <laughs> gonna continue. <laughs> Mitchell Boggs was the new pitcher for the Cardinals in the bottom of the eighth, and he started off against Freddie Freeman, who walked on eight pitches. Dan Uggla grounded into a fielder's, fielder's choice. Then David Ross singled for the third time that night with a line drive to center.
3: David Ross. This is a
1: David Ross game. He is having a heck of a night. You love to see it. With two runners on, Andrelton Simmons represented another tying run at the plate. And after a six-pitch at bat with the count full, he hit a fly ball to shallow left. And then all hell broke loose.
0: Simmons, fly ball shallow left. Back is Cosma. He'll take it. He'll call. Oh, it's gonna drop! It falls! Miscommunication and the bases are loaded, and Bonds can't believe it. This crowd has been crazy. This crowd's been crazy all night. I wonder if it affected their communication. They're calling it an infield fly rule. Wow! One umpire oh. did. That's why Freddie Gonzalez is out. Well, this is a huge call here.
1: The left field umpire Sam Holbrook had called the infield fly rule on Simmons's fly ball to left field. The shortstop Pete Cosma had ranged out to make the catch but at the last second peeled off to let the left fielder Matt Holliday make the play instead but due to a miscommunication or otherwise it landed in between. The ball had landed at 225 feet from home plate without being caught. The Braves could have loaded the bases with only one out, but due to the ruling, Simmons was out, though the runners were still able to advance to second and third. The big debates over the ruling included two major points. One, that the fielder has to make the catch with ordinary effort, and two, that the umpire has to make the call immediately. This is such bullshit. This This is is a terrible call. This This is is a absolutely
3: terrible call that... Completely ruined all of the momentum and all of the everything the Braves were building. They were making it. They were getting into this game here. It was going to be a huge Damn. moment coming up, and the the Umps just inserted themselves here and and in a way that completely completely ruined all of the natural energy that was going on and completely changed the outcome of the game.
2: Yeah, I don't yeah. know how anybody can watch this and defend that ump got in the left field line making this call because first of all it was not ordinary effort
1: yeah yeah let's talk about that let's like what ordinary effort he's got to be have a under it that far out
2: <laughs> he's got to okay, be camped so, under it there's no way to camp under it when it's in the like no man's land between left field and the infield
3: yeah so if the the ball lands 225 feet away from home plate you said Okay, so yeah. third base is 90 feet away from home plate. The shortstop yep. is playing, you know, maybe generously 15 feet behind third base. So he's playing 105 feet from home plate. That means he has to run 110 feet. He has to run about 30 yards to go make this play. That's not without, that's not with little effort or or ordinary effort.
1: Ordinary effort. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, he had to run out there.
2: And- he didn't have to, ju- if he would have just been like, walking and could have made it there then maybe but it's way too i do
1: have to say as far as like camping under the ball i i i don't see how you can camp under a ball that's hit that far and you have to run that far but there is a moment where Cosma turns around and kind of throws his arms out like players do when they're camped under the ball right but then a split second after he does that he immediately kind of peels off. Right. And but then it's if you're looking at where he's camping out, the ball is still landing behind him. So it's like he camps out in the wrong spot. Yeah, he was gonna do the little camp Holbrook out think. and then
2: take a, a step back, but Holberg, the second he he saw uh the the you know arms wave like I got it, Holberg put he, his pointed his finger up to signal the infield fly and I think in the noise and everything going on, um the shortstop heard Holbrook yell you know something and thought it was his left fielder calling him off I can't think of any other reason why he would move
3: back in the day 2k sports used to make an MLB game MLB 2k and in MLB 2k5 when your outfielder was camped under a ball and it was going to be an easy play you could hit the right stick up and he would do a little spin and then he would catch the ball (laughs) there is no way that the game would even give this guy an option to do a little spin. And if you can't do a little spin before the ball comes that's down, a, you are not camped under it. That's a great point,
1: Sam. That's a great point. Um, and then, yeah, and Charlie touched on it, but we'll just make sure it's clear that this whole... The umpire has to make the call immediately. That means, like, it comes off the bat, and within a second, you're making the call. This ball, I mean, yeah. it was kind of a lazy little fly ball out to left field. It was in the air for enough time. It was already on its way
2: down. It had reached it was its apex its down. and was on its way down. Yeah. The whole I
1: mean, point... He calls the infield fly and the ball hits the ground a half a second after. That is not immediate no. whatsoever.
3: And the whole point of the infield fly rule is so you can't is basically so the fielder can't drop the ball on purpose and then turn two because the runners are staying on the back.
1: Staying put, yeah. yeah.
3: For this guy to have dropped this ball and then turned two, he would have yeah. had to have been the greatest fielder of all time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> There's it's way too deep to turn two with the little intentional dropping, yeah. I mean, maybe play. you
1: could get, maybe you could get an out at third, you know. But even then, that would have been a close play if he had dropped it and tried to go to third. If it was
3: a normal play, it sucks. Like this call sucked from an umpire who like shouldn't even have been there because they didn't need those those extra no. umpires. Sometimes you know what? Too many cooks in the kitchen. Am I right?
1: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Too many umps on the field. That's also maybe applies to this right well that game. one would only one, apply to yeah that what, one game at a time coin phrase too many umps on the field well after much confusion the call stood bringing about the fury of the braves fans who littered the field with trash leading to a 19 minute delay as turner field staff did everything they could to clean up the field classy yeah. it would take this was awful yeah um the Braves have
3: the Braves fans have just every right to be super pissed here, yell horrible mean things at the umpires. You know, say like, "Hey, you suck!" Your mother. I'm gonna, yeah, your mother. Your mother's a dog. Yell, your mother's a dog. That that's cool. Do that. But don't throw shit. People could get hurt. It's just not cool. Then people have to run out and clean it. It's just not. Yeah, just
1: not really cool. it's just not a It's the, the stadium staff yeah, having to go, staff. go out there and clean it. They, it didn't it's even. Like,
2: they ran out there, and at first, I had like nothing. They were just picking it up with their hands and then holding it. It took them like five minutes just to get garbage bags.
1: Yeah, because it's like you don't expect that this is about to happen. You don't have all this equipment ready to go for when fans throw trash right. on the field. So it just delayed and you think, it even more. Oh, longer. there's like a few bottles. Yeah, we'll just go grab these few bottles and like put them, you know, whatever. But then, yeah, it's a ton of trash
2: on the field. And they keep sucks. throwing it. At, I mean, they they had it all cleaned up and then the players came back out and then people kept, were still throwing stuff. So then they had to leave again. And that happened like twice exactly. over this yeah. period. It was, yeah, it's bad.
1: It was really bad. And, well, it would take an announcement over the public address system telling fans that if they couldn't stop throwing trash on the field, the Braves would be forced to forfeit, which got the crowd to settle down enough the play could continue.
2: That would have been crazy (laughs) if they would have just been been like, fuck it, we're forfeiting, and they just kept throwing trash. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If they had said, all right,
1: we forfeited all hell would have broken like that would have been well no i mean like if the
2: fans would have like collectively agreed we don't give a fuck anymore oh yeah we're gonna (laughs) keep throwing trash and force our own team to forfeit because we're just that pissed oh can you imagine how how would you even write that story or like what would that box score look like just
1: that would be
3: an absolutely terrible way for chipper jones's career right (laughs) yeah
1: and the first wild card game like so many big moments are happening in this game if it had ended like that like we would
2: never forget that I, I mean that would be it's already pretty unforgettable just how
3: yeah this call is already gonna like kind of live forever and just yeah just and you know what these umpires i'm sorry oh get hall of shame all of the umpires yes every single umpire in this game
1: oh yeah and of shame. uh I don't
2: know who all of the umpires are, so I feel like... I mean, but I don't know, I kind of feel the same way. And the Sam Holbrook... Come on. Oh, get Holshan.
1: Freddy Gonzalez, meanwhile, announced that the Braves would be playing the rest of the game under protest.
3: Like, yeah, yeah, we're going to keep playing, and then basically under protest means that the game is then going to go to the head office of the MLB, and they're going to decide if the call that was made was wrong and if it was wrong did it impact the end of the game and if it impacts the end of the game they're going to have to redo that
1: well when play finally resumed the cardinals brought in a fresh arm in the form of their closer jason Motty, who had a 2.75 era in 72 innings with 86 strikeouts they also sent shane robinson to left replacing matt holiday the Braves sent in the Braves sent in a pinch hitter brian mccann for the pitcher spot and he took a five pitch walk Wanting some more speed on the base path, they replaced McCann with a pinch runner, Tyler Pasternicki.
3: Come out, get walked, go back to the dugout, you know? <laughs> Prime McCann didn't really do anything. He didn't have an at-bat, he didn't do...
2: No, <laughs> Grab a
3: Gatorade, Catchers wipe them. your forehead
2: off, oof. Tough day. <laughs> Tough day at All the in office. a day's work. Hit the showers.
1: <laughs> well, with the bases loaded and two outs on the board, Michael Bourne was tasked with salvaging the Braves' momentum. But after getting ahead in the count, 3-1, and Madi struck him out on six pitches, ending the inning for the Braves and leaving a stunned Turner Field watching their postseason hopes slip away.
3: Yeah, that's rough.
1: Just rough. I mean, like you had mentioned it earlier, Sam, all the momentum is gone. Um, When the ump makes this call, they take a bunch of time to have to deliberate and then the fans start throwing trash on the field 19 minute delay momentum is completely killed now the cardinals have a new fresh arm in the game i mean it just so many things happen that just you could just feel that this was coming uh pretty much as soon as the um started deliberating over this call you just knew oh it's not looking good well the top of the ninth saw the 2011 rookie of the year and League leader in saves craig kimbrell take the mound In 62 and two-thirds innings of work, he had a 1.01 ERA and 116 strikeouts against 231 batters faced. Well, the first batter, Shane Robinson, skied one to center for the first out. Then Daniel Descalso flied out to left, leaving the Braves fans chanting infield fly with every ball that was popped up to the outfield. This was pretty. Yeah, fun. yeah. that's way better
2: <laughs> I mean, than throwing trash. Come on.
1: Exactly. This is a great way to be angry. And just like, infield fly, infield
2: fly, In field fly. <laughs> and it's like a well, fly finally... out deep to the center. Yeah, field. it was like you know,
1: yeah, out to the warning track.
2: <laughs> infield
1: fly. <laughs> well, finally, it was Pete Cosma who struck out, sending the game to the bottom of the ninth. Martín Prado led off for the Braves and hit a grounder to second for the first out then Jason Hayward flied out to left for the second. And then, as Turner Field rose to their feet, Chipper Jones made his way to the plate for what could very well be the final time. Even the Cardinals' dugout got up to show their respect as the catcher, Yadier Molina, went out to the mound to give Jones a little extra time to tip his helmet to the fans that had watched him for years.
3: Now, I know they're they're paying respects and everything, but aren't they also kind of disrespecting? chipper and the braves being like yeah this is your last at bat buddy you're not getting shit i mean
1: <laughs> i would say that it felt like a moment that was more the braves were already right. kind of like "Oh, right, this might inning. be the last one and the cardinals are like yeah okay if all the braves fans feel that way we're gonna give them a moment yeah. you know <laughs> but i hear you it, it could see be seen as a very like fuck you to like well better cheer for him for the last <laughs> chance he can <laughs> Well, it had been an emotional week for everyone as the surefire Hall of Famer Jones played his last season in a Braves uniform, and on the sixth pitch of the at-bat, he did what he'd done so many times
0: before. Jones breaks his back, backhanded Descalso, jump throw is not in time, pulled him off the bag, safe is the pro-
1: Jones's broken bat infield single put a runner on first with two outs, keeping the game alive for the Braves. This
3: is the most generous <laughs> infield single I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, they're God, lucky yeah. they're at Turner Field because the scorekeeper is probably a Braves guy, and he really he gave a gift there to Chipper, and
0: I'm fine with
1: it. Is baseball gods, man? That's <laughs> what I'm going with. Baseball gods all the way. They're looking down on Jones and going, you know what? We'll give it to you.
0: This
3: is just so clearly an error that, like, look, he, he hits it in a nice spot. He makes the second baseman get to, you know, he makes the baseman, second baseman work to get to it. But once the second baseman gets mm-hmm. to it, Chipper Jones is not even halfway down the line. And, <laughs> no,
1: and this, it's a terrible throw The second baseman first. is, like,
3: in the air thinking he's, like, Derek Jeter on a poster. <laughs> and he did
2: it so slow.
3: <laughs> and he threw the ball so bad. And it takes Craig way off the base, who's then, like dropping his foot around trying to catch the base well
1: craig is literally (laughs) laying on the ground trying to (laughs) tap his foot around to find the base (laughs) yeah
3: it was just such an error and it's like it's like okay we'll look at chipper jones ended his career with a single and let's not look at that single let's just nope it was a single that's (laughs) all that doesn't matter let's say
0: that's it
1: (laughs) well up next was freddie freeman who didn't waste any time as he swung at Marty's first pitch?
0: With one more base run to bring the tying run up, as Freeman launches one left center field, John Jay on the run, and that's down. It one hops out a ground rule double. This was huge.
1: Yeah, this was this was huge. Um This is one of those moments that, it like you almost wonder, ah, oh, if it wasn't a ground rule double, maybe Jones could have scored. Um
2: Freddie Freeman is
1: good at baseball. It was a big moment. Freddie Freeman is really good. He's really fun to watch. He seems like a cool guy. Well, yeah, Freeman's ground rule double put runners on second and third with two outs. With the two-out rally building, Dan Ugla represented the tying run at the plate yet again, as all 52,000 fans in attendance waited with bated
3: breath. The big man Dan Ugla has it all in his giant juiced-up forearms.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ugla was ready to swing and connected on
0: the fourth pitch. And the 1 2, and Ugla bouncing ball at the They'll play the first in time, and the St. Louis Cardinals advance. The Cardinals
1: had done it. The final score was Cardinals 6, Braves 3, as the players raced off the field while debris rained down on them again. The Cardinals had shut down the Braves at home to win the very first National League wildcard game and advanced to the NLDS to face the Washington Nationals. The winning pitcher was Kyle Loesch, while Jason Motty got the save and Chris Medlin took the loss. The Braves, who had been the best defensive team all year, had committed three errors, each of which led to a run for the
2: Cardinals. Yeah, between the errors and then that infield fly call, you really can't, I mean, they shouldn't be throwing shit on the field, but you can't really blame them for being super pissed about how their team played and then got screwed. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I will say, though, too, um, obviously the infield fly, that sucks. That's a terrible call. It really blows the momentum. The errors are a bummer. But the the Braves had runners in scoring position and had the tying run at the plate like four or five times in this game and just could not deliver. Ah. So that also, like, there's a lot of...
3: I think Freddie Gonzalez. They blew
1: a lot of moments.
3: Freddie Gonzalez, the Braves manager, I think he managed a, a, the game poorly. I just like the yeah. Anderson Simmons bunt that didn't make a lot of sense. Yep.
2: There's
3: there's a time where he has Michael Bourne on first base. Like Michael Bourne leads off and gets on base, and I, to me, he, he's the best base there in the game at the time. You gotta send him. Like you gotta get that guy into scoring position. But instead, you're just leaving these guys on base and nothing's happening. Like, I just don't think Freddie Gonzalez did a great job in this game and he's one of the reasons why the Braves lost I mean there's a lot of yeah. reasons but he's he's one of them yeah yeah I mean Chipper's and also yeah just in
1: yeah Chipper didn't have a good game I mean the Braves had 12 hits in this game and only scored three runs meanwhile the Cardinals had six hits and six runs obviously they were greatly benefited from those three errors but like and you shouldn't hit dingers yeah exactly but like you shouldn't Get 12 hits and only get three runs. That just shouldn't be happening in a big game like this. So I think there's a lot of blame to go around for sure. Yeah, it's not like the
2: the whole game was lost on that infield fly ruling. That was just the straw that broke the camel's back, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Well, the Cardinals would go on to beat the Nationals in five games, but lose the NLCS to the eventual World Series winning San Francisco Giants in seven games. Since 2012, the Cardinals have made, it, have made it to the postseason four times, including the World Series in 2013, but lost to the Boston Red Sox. After losing the 2012 wildcard game, the Braves have made it back to the postseason three times, but have never advanced past the NLDS, losing in heartbreaking fashion to the Cardinals yet again in 2019. While well, this wildcard game was supposed to be historic for being the first ever played it would ultimately be overshadowed by the infamous infield fly rule called in the eighth inning. Not long after the game, the Braves' protest would be dismissed by the MLB's Executive VP for Baseball Services, Joe Torrey, who said, quote, it was a judgment call which cannot be protested under MLB rules.
3: Hmm. Well, so,
1: you know, I mean, that, I guess I don't know how, you know, that is, I guess, if that's what he's going to say. But, like, it sometimes is a bummer that these judgment calls can't be, um, I don't know, looked into more. But also...
2: Also, I mean, is it a judgment call if the ruling for the judgment call says it has to, like, has certain... like Like we talked about, it has to be called immediately. And it wasn't. It has to be, yeah. like that's not a judgment call immediately it's not up to judgment
3: yeah that's that's mm-hmm. a good point like it's the umpire point. sure maybe it's it's up to his discretion to call an and fly or not but the way he calls it he called it wrong you know
2: yeah i could see the like ordinary effort aspect of the thing being judgment like he looked and it looked like he the the player camped under it so that's what he's judging sure. but he waited so long <laughs>
1: Well, for Chipper Jones, the final game of his career hadn't gone down the way he'd hoped. He went one for five and committed an error that led to the Cardinals taking a lead they never relinquished. When asked about the error, he said, quote, ultimately, I feel I'm the one to blame. That should have been a tailor-made double play.
3: Damn, that is very sad.
1: It's heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> While there's much to debate over who's really to blame for the Braves' loss, Chipper's statement is a sobering reminder that the very best in the game can still have a bad day, and baseball, despite all its beauty,
2: can still rip your heart out.
3: I still lo- love Chipper Jones. He's still one of my favorite players. So,
2: and that is something I do love about baseball: is that there, it's such a sport of failure that it, yeah. it you know, it's a game. That exemplifies the highest of highs, and then the lowest of lows, and I think that you know that's just the human experience. And then they put it into a game.
1: Very well put. All right. Well, for extra innings this week, um, Sam, you have a game.
3: Yeah, I have a a game inspired by the man who played his last game in this one, Chipper Jones, and it's uh it's based on nicknames, and it's it's about. I'm going to give you a player who has a very famous nickname. And I'm going to give you three stories of how that player got his nickname. And you're going to have to decide multiple choice. Which one is the true story? All right. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, So we'll start with... and, And you guys will take turns for who gets the answer first. And we'll start with the man himself, Larry Chipper Jones. So here's the first story of how Chipper Jones... Got the nickname, Chipper. So, when Jones was growing up in his hometown of DeLand, Florida, he was playing roller hockey outside, and he fell face first chipping his front tooth. His family could not afford to get his teeth fixed for years, and he became known as Chipper from then on. So that's that's story one. Story two is, Chipper's father had a landscaping business, and as a preteen, around 12 years old, Jones would always beg his dad to use the wood chipper. Jones asked so much that his dad and brothers had started referring to him as wood chipper and eventually shortened it just to chipper. And story number three is that growing up, chipper was so similar in appearance and personality to his father, Larry Sr., that his family members couldn't help but always mention that he was a chip off the old block and eventually just shortening it to calling him chipper. Warner, I'm going to go to you first. Um, okay. Story so, one, let's see. the roller hockey incident, story two, the wood chipper, or story three, being a chip off the old block.
1: I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say chip off the old block. I like that expression. I think that's a fun expression. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna guess that one. Charlie, do you
3: agree
2: or? No, uh, it's the wood chipper.
3: Warner is correct.
2: Oh. Hey. <laughs> I thought the wood chipper was funnier
3: chipper was so similar to his father that his family called him chip off the old block eventually just becoming chipper so it is one to zero in favor of warner next up we have jim catfish hunter okay so this is the first story of how catfish hunter got the name catfish around the time that hunter started high school he began to suffer from an undiagnosable an undiagnosable gastrointestinal condition without any explanation into the And to the befuddlement of his family doctor, Hunter could not keep any foods down. He would vomit up baked chicken, raw vegetables, fast food cheeseburgers, or edges. anything he ate. The only food, just miraculously, that would not make him sick was his mother's blackened catfish recipe. Because of that, he basically had to eat this every day. And so his high school teammates and friends started teasingly referring to him as Catfish, and the name stuck. Number two story of how Catfish Hunter got his name. Hunter actually did not get the catfish nickname until he was signed in 1964 by then-athletics owner Charles Finley. Finley was known for like doing all kinds of things to make his players more popular, like making them grow crazy facial hair, and he wanted Hunter to have a catchy nickname, so he just made up a story that Hunter went fishing one day when he was little and came home with a large catfish. The story was totally made up, but it was repeated to the media so much that the nickname stuck and he became Catfish Hunter. And number three, this is the third story of how Catfish Hunter got his nickname. Uh, Hunter once had a three-year online relationship with a man in Huntsville, Alabama, where he pretended to be a 19-year-old bikini model from Miami Beach, Florida.
2: <laughs> <I don't laughs> Thus gaining the name one. Catfish. I don't think it's that so, one. <laughs> Charlie, I'm
3: going to go to you first. Which one of gonna these gonna three do on you think limb. is the right story?
2: I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not the <laughs> online thing because I'm not sure. don't think the internet exists yet.
3: You know, your guess is as good as mine on that one.
2: I'm going to go with the Charles Finley one because that just seems like something that Finley would do is just make up some bullshit name for him.
3: Warner, what do you think?
1: Um. Okay, so I'm pretty sure it's the Charles Finley one because <laughs> I know that he tried to get Vita Blue to change his name or tried to give him the nickname True Blue. And Biden was like, I don't like that. And he was like, never let anyone call him that. So this whole catfish thing, like that makes perfect sense to me. So I'm gonna go with the second story as well. Guys, I, yeah.
3: Sorry, no, it's the three year online relationship. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, no. you guys are both right. So Warner's still in the lead two to one, but you guys both did a good job there.
2: That was okay. a good that All first story was good. Like kind of convincing. Like maybe, maybe. But I was like,
1: as soon as then you said the, yeah, the Finley thing, I was like, oh, oh okay, okay. Like that clicked in my head. That made sense.
3: All right. Our third player is Shoeless Joe Jackson. So our first story of how Shoeless Joe got his name, Joe Jackson grew up so poor in his hometown of Pickens County, South Carolina, that his parents could never afford to buy him shoes. Instead of wearing his brother's old hand-me-down shoes that were much too big, he chose to go barefoot instead. So in his small town, anytime he would walk outside, people would shout out, Hey, there goes Shoeless Joe. The second story of how Shoeless Joe got his nickname is that Joe had shoes, but he never learned to tie his shoes. So anytime he ran to first place as a semi-pro player, his spikes would fly off his feet. The umpires would scold him as it was against the rules for a player to remove their shoes during play. One umpire got so upset, and this was believed to be umpire Abraham Rice, that he ejected Shoeless Joe from the game, leading to a heated argument. The umpire ended up calling him a Shoeless Blunderbuss, and the local paper the next day referred to him as Shoeless Joe Jackson. In the third story, the third possible story of Jackson's origins name of his name, Jackson got his nickname during a mill game played in Greenville, South Carolina. Jackson had blisters on his foot from a new pair of cleats, and the, the blisters hurt so much that he would take his shoes off before his first at-bat. As he continued playing, a heckling fan who would always give Jackson shit, you know, noticed noticed the shoes, noticed him running to third base in his socks, and shouted, You shoeless son of a gun, you! And the nicknames of Shoeless Joe stuck with him for the remainder of his life. Uh, Warner, we're going to go back to you.
1: Okay. Man, These it's all it's tough because Shoeless Joe is such a specific name. That like it all has to do with him not wearing shoes like we know that much so the question (laughs) is why was he not wearing the shoes could
3: his parents never afford to Um, give him shoes yeah could he not tie his shoes or did new shoes give him blisters
1: um oh see that's not even how i was thinking about it um because i felt like like i could see a guy running down to first and like his shoes fucking coming off at that time because like it was the whatever I'm, I'm gonna go with the second story it feels like a lot but i'm gonna go with the second story that that he could not tie his shoes he could tie or he didn't like tying
3: maybe i don't an know an umpire abraham rice called one. him a shoeless blunderbuss that's what I you're mean, going yeah with. that i'm gonna go with that one charlie what is your opinion on the matter
2: uh i think it was the mill game story with the blisters on his feet so he was running in his socks
3: are you gonna lock that answer in
2: yeah, it's, I'm locking in answer story three.
3: Story three is correct. We now have a tie. Ooh. Two to two. Shoeless Joe got his name because the blisters on his feet caused him to take his shoes off. <laughs> and a asshole fan called him Shoeless Son of a Gun. All right. all right. Our next nickname is one of my favorite ones of all time, the great pitcher Oil Cam Boyd. So these yeah. are three stories of how he possibly gained his nickname. The first one is, as a young pitcher coming up through the minor leagues, Boyd's pitching motion was so herky-jerky that one of his pitching coaches suggested jokingly that he keep an oil can in the bullpen to grease his joints. The joke was so popular in the clubhouse that the nickname stuck. The second possible story has been that uh, he used to drink a lot of beer in his hometown of Meridian, Mississippi, and in that town, beer was known as Oil. And the third story of how Oil Can Boyd got his nickname, is that he grew up working in his uncle's body shop and was actually trained to be a professional mechanic. He loved working on cars so much that even after he became a pro ball player, he still would work a, week, a weekly shift in his uncle's garage just because he loved doing it. He was known for coming to the ballpark straight from a shift and sometimes he would even be wearing his jump suit, carrying a monkey wrench and an oil can. Thus, he became known as Oil Can Boyd. Charlie, we're going to you first. Which one is it? Is it that he had a herky-jerky motion that needed grease on his joints, he drank a lot of beer in Meridian, Mississippi, or he worked in his uncle's body shop even up through his professional career?
2: I'm going to go with number one because baseball players and coaches are notorious for giving each other nicknames, and that just seems plausible well, i don't I don't remember if oil Can Boyd actually had a herky jerk wind up, but if he did, I could see that just catching on like wildfire, so I'm going with one
3: Warner
1: okay, I don't think it's the mechanic thing um, so do
3: you agree with Charlie I
1: also don't i also i have no idea what his wind up looks like, but I get. I don't know. I like the idea of the beer thing, because like, why would they call it oil? Who knows? But like, that feels like a too specific of a thing. That like, uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'll go different from Charlie. I'll say the oil or the beer thing, because that sounds you know. Let's let's shake it up. I'll go with the so beer. So
3: Warner thing. is saying it is because Oil can boy drink so much beer in his hometown of Meridian, Mississippi, <laughs> where they refer <laughs> like to I beer said, as so oil. So much beer.
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna lock that one in. I guess I didn't really think of so much. I thought it was just like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna call. It. I'm gonna go with that one.
3: Warner, you are correct. Oh, what? Oh,
1: what they call it? Oil? Is it just in his hometown, or is that all of a Mississippi thing? That
2: sounds like something you made up, man. I was, I thought for sure. I thought it was either the first one or the mechanic story. That one seemed too for outlandish. Me, for me, in a way,
1: I was like, oh, that feels like I don't think. Sam would make up calling beer oil. I don't know. Like, I just felt like it, it seemed too perfect, but in a way that wasn't made up. I don't know.
3: Charlie, you were behind by one point. If you get this right and Warner gets it wrong, you guys will go have a tie and will go to a tiebreaker. If not, Warner's going to win this. So, our final player is Lawrence Peter Yogi Berra. The first story of how Barra got his name was that he was actually a huge fan of the cartoon paper of the paper cartoon strip Yogi Bear, and his last name's proximity to the word Barra led himself and his friends to calling him Yogi in tribute to the comic strip. The number two story of how Yogi Bear got his name is Barra was known for his odd style of speech, and he would walk around his St. Louis neighborhood, known as the Hill, greeting passerbys and acquaintances always with a yo instead of a hi or a hello. He did this so often that one of his friends, Jack, asked him, Why are you always saying, yo, what are you, some kind of yogi? That famous uh, 1930s St. Louis humor. The final story of how Yogi Berra got his name is that while playing in an American American Legion baseball league growing up, he received the nickname Yogi from his friend Jack, who after seeing a newsreel about India... Said that Yogi rese- or, well said that Berra resembled a Yogi from India whenever he sat around with his arms and legs crossed waiting to bat and looking sad after losing a game. Whose turn is it to go first? I forgot. Uh I Warner. It's, it's yours. Warner.
1: Okay. Um Okay, well, I I always thought that Yogi Bear was named after Yogi Bear, so I don't think it's that one. I might be wrong, but like I'm just gonna stick to my guns on that one. Um i think i'm gonna go with story three because that just feels like something that that feels like something that somebody would have seen something on tv but like yeah you look like one of those yogis and it would have been not a very cool nickname nowadays but back then maybe it was a what well, i don't know so i'm gonna go with story number three uh the one about his friend jack
3: charlie do you have a different answer than warner
2: I don't know, because I kind of think, I was thinking that was the right one, but I can't catch up to Warner if we both get it right. But if I think that's the right one, then guessing for something that's wrong also doesn't help me. So I'm just, I'm in a pickle here. Did Yogi Bear
3: get his nickname because he always said yo? Yeah,
2: I'm going to go with the Yogi Bear. I'm going, I'm going with Yogi Bear. Warner seemed so sure. That it wasn't Yogi Bear, <laughs> so my chance <laughs> to come back is to go against his better judgment or his gut or whatever he said, and I'm I'm going. It's probably going against my better judgment. Actually, I'm going with Yogi Bear,
3: Charlie. I'm sorry to say you're wrong. Oh, okay oh. is correct, <laughs> and he wins oh. the nickname game.
1: All right. Got his nickname from his friend Jack. You you led me
2: on (laughs) there for a second like I got it right. Sorry. (laughs) Yep. That's okay.
3: Yeah. Uh, Yogi Berra's friend Jack McGuire during American League, American Legion Baseball gave him the very politically incorrect nickname of Yogi because he resembled a Indian Yogi anytime he sat around sad that his team lost the game or waiting to bat crossing his arms and legs
1: yeah i mean i guess i hate to say but that's just what kind of tipped me off is i was like i feel
2: like that was probably the case like i said i Um, i thought that one sounded believable too but yeah i'd be in the same did yogi did
1: yogi bear get his name from yogi bear like that is that true or no i believe that that that
3: yogi i think yes but i believe that the creators of yogi bear say that it was like a coincidence but oh, I think hey, I everyone is like, up. you guys are lying. You just don't want to give Yogi Bear any
1: money. Yogi's name, Yogi Bear's name, was similar to that of contemporary baseball star Yogi Berra, who is known for his amusing quotes, such as, half the lies they tell about me aren't true. Berra sued Hanna-Barbera for defamation, but their management claimed the similarity of the names was just a coincidence. Yeah. Wow. So actually, he did not like the fact that yogi bear was kind of named after him in a way because yogi bear yogi bear like there there is a connection there that's I'm pretty much gonna lie i've <laughs>
2: never made that connection
1: once oh
2: really oh that's I mean of, yeah that's... they sound similar but one's a bear <laughs> a cart- that's a good point point. one is maker. a bear and
3: one is a man that is a good point
2: point. one is a real human person and one is a fictional <laughs> bear
1: all right well <laughs> all right well congratulations <laughs> me wrap it up thank you thank you <laughs> well thank you everybody for listening to one game at a time uh we hope you enjoyed this episode uh email us at ogatpod at gmail.com with any game suggestions uh maybe you watch this game and want to tell us something about it uh, maybe you have an opinion on the infield fly rule uh let us know shoot us an email uh we have new episodes every tuesday uh, if you enjoyed the show, tell your friends about us. That's huge. It helps us find new listeners and new fans. Uh, we're on all the podcast platforms, so make sure to share it with people. Uh, and also subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple, especially. That really helps get our show out there. Uh, we're on all sorts of social media as well TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, um, at OgatPods. So give us follows there. Uh, we've, you know, got content and stuff some sam's been putting together some really fun tiktoks uh we've got you know we want to interact with people so check us out there and finally we are on patreon as well so check that out if you want to support the show uh, we've got ideas for kind of bonus content we'd be putting up there and you know we'll also shout out some new supporters here and there so and, uh, uh, warner
3: you're I- using all the money we get off patreon to create your own company that makes movies knocking off popular movies like you're just gonna make a, a Fast and the Furious ripoff called the uh, the speedy and the mean.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. I don't know how legal yeah. that is, but we're gonna try it. Yeah,
1: sounds good. Well, thank you everybody, and we will see you all uh next week.
3: Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>